What is going on, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome to Fouled Out. Got to do a quick hockey segment at the top here for my dad. Crazy goal by Brad Marchand in overtime last night to give the Bruins a 2-1 lead over the Islanders. I have no idea how it went in, but I'll take it. I still have the Bruins in six. That was my original pick. I never doubted it for a minute, and uh, none of you can prove that I did. So (laughs) I uh, sent a couple of frantic texts to my dad last night when the Bruins were going into overtime, but we are keeping the belief, staying strong over here. Go Bees. So today, Matt and I are going to do a recap of the first round of the NBA playoffs. It's a couple of crazy games last night between the Lakers and Suns and the Nuggets in Portland. So we're going to go over what it all means and where we're going next. We are back. Matt's here. We are preparing for what's probably going to be the greatest NBA playoffs of our lifetime. Never Woo. again shall we see, you know, like I, I've done this before. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast, but if you go back and look at the teams that have won NBA championships over the course of like the last 50 years, there's something crazy, like six teams that have won like 45 of them or something like that. And all yeah, those. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Think back to like the Toronto year where they won and the Mavs, like when they won, when those were teams that you weren't really sure were going to win because they weren't, you know, the clear favorites. It wasn't LeBron or Curry. Those were the most exciting championships. Even in those years, LeBron and Curry were still in the finals. With the yeah. Lakers getting knocked out last night, this is going to be our first finals without LeBron or Curry since 2010. It's been 11 years. But yeah, it's, it's something crazy. Like you go back and add up all of the Spurs titles, the Lakers titles, the Celtics titles. You know, your Pistons are in there, I think, three times. Houston's in there twice. Yeah. There's like a very small percentage of teams that own a very large percentage of the titles in NBA history. And there's a really good chance that we're either going to get a new champion this year or someone who has not won in a very long time. Actually, out of the nine remaining teams, the team that's won most recently was the Mavericks back in 2011. So it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about, but it's also like really fun to think about. I really enjoy it when it's unpredictable and someone new wins, whether it's, you know, NBA playoffs or, Pretty much any sport except for the NFL, because I just really enjoy it when the Patriots win. Like I said, the Lakers were eliminated last night by the Phoenix Suns in a six-game series. This is LeBron's first first-round exit. He's now 14-1. and one. You know, like we said a couple minutes ago, this is going to be the first time since 2010 we haven't seen LeBron or Steph Curry in a finals. So, pretty crazy, but I want to start by talking about Devin Booker and the Suns because they played a great series and they played a really great game last night. And I feel like it's really gotten overshadowed. And the story today has really been more about the Lakers and more about LeBron, which is to be expected. But man, Devin Booker in his first playoff series, he dropped 47 points on LA last night to knock them out. His team only scored 113. So like that's a big percentage of his team's points. And for the series, he averaged uh, almost 30 points, 6.2 rebounds, and 5 assists. Like, he had a great series for a dude not only playing in his first playoff series ever, but playing in his first playoff series ever against LeBron and against the L.A. Lakers. Like, that's that's some legendary stuff by Booker, man. Well, and he said after the game that he was, like, intentionally trying to channel his Kobe. Which is really funny to me because it was the Lakers. Yeah, you could obviously tell that this guy was inspired by Kobe Bryant. Like some of, if you watch him play, a lot of his game with those mid-range fades and the pull-ups and all that stuff, you can see the Kobe influence in there. That's that's pretty cool. Man, I'm just super impressed by him. I came on this pod a couple weeks ago and wondered out loud how he was going to be in his first playoff series. 
And then, you know, last week we talked about how a lot of these guys did really well in the first playoff series, but none more so than Booker to me. He was phenomenal. And I, I think he had one game in the series where he only scored like 16 or 17 or something like that. So for him to still average 30 points, that's pretty crazy. And he could not miss last night. They, they came out like they were ready, man. You talk about killer instinct. Like you want to talk about Kobe and the killer instinct. They came out and dropped, I think it was like 36 to 14 at the end of the first quarter last night. And Devin Booker had 22 points in the first quarter. He just, he would not miss. It was crazy. I, so I just wanted to give him some recognition before we get into the Lakers part of this, because the story today has not been about him at all. And he deserves a lot of credit. When you go out there and single-handedly murder LeBron's season, you deserve a lot of credit. You deserve a lot of credit, and you've got Matt probably looking at uh, Devin Booker jerseys today because <laughs> you are not a big LeBron fan. No, but man, have I been wishing for Devin Booker to come on home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's from uh, Grand Rapids. Right yep. on the other side of the state. So I'm back to Michigan, baby. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So the, the other thing I want to talk about with Booker is now the Phoenix Suns move on to a second round date with the Denver Nuggets. And you're looking at a team in Denver who, you know, we just saw Dame torch them. And we'll talk about that in more detail in a little bit. But Dame just torched them. And one thing we talked about a lot with Denver was that they don't have the guards to guard elite back court players. So now Devin Booker just torched the Lakers and now he's moving on to a series where he's going to be matched up with like Monte Morris and Compazzo and those guys. I fully expect him to continue to go off and continue to have a great playoffs in his first run. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of the difference there is that Dame, you have to guard him at half court. Schematically, I don't really think there's anything you can do about that. Like, yeah, you can try and blitz him, but he's an elite guard. He's going to get out of that after he sees it a few times and figure it out. But Devin Booker, I'm not saying he's not going to go off. Just saying they have a better chance against someone who scores the way he does as opposed to someone like Dame where, like, where the hell do you even start guarding him, you know? I don't disagree with that. I just – Watching Devin Booker last night, some of the shots he was hitting, like it just doesn't. Oh matter. man! Oh man! Like they had they had hands in his face. They had oh, he was he was great, and he, you know, he's. I think he's going to continue to score really well. He may not have some of the games like Dame had against Denver, but you know, he's he's going to need to score a ton too with Jokic on the other side of the ball. Well, I mean, you saw it with Dame too. Like I think Booker's going to do the same thing where. He's going to find a matchup he likes and they're going to get that switch and then just ISO it out and just break some ankles and take the the looks that he likes. I don't think he's ever seen a look he didn't like, so it's going to be a lot of looks. But (laughs) JR Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so all, all credit to Booker and the Suns. I think there's a lot of people out there today saying, Hey, congrats. You beat the Lakers without Anthony Davis. I don't know that if Anthony Davis had been super healthy, if that would have made a, you know, I think it would have made a big difference in the series, but I think the Suns might've still taken this one, especially with the way they were playing last night. Sometimes you just have the best player on the floor that night. Let's go to the other side of this with the Lakers. They're obviously the big story media circling around them. And like we said, one of the, big things in this series was that they didn't have Davis for a lot of it in the two Laker wins in this series. Davis had 34 and 11 and then 34, 10 and seven in the other game. And we talked on the podcast about how the Lakers were going to need him to be a monster if they were going to win this series. And like I said, like he played great in the two games they won. I don't know if he hadn't gotten hurt, if that changes the series a ton, but you know, you look at it, the Suns won game six by 13 points. Like, you know, Davis might have been enough to swing that and send it back to Phoenix at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. But at the same time, 
at what point do we just look at Davis and say, this is part of the package? Always been part of his deal is that he gets hurt a lot. A hundred percent. And that was a big thing that we talked about when the Lakers traded for him in the first place, you know, last year going into the season, people were, a lot of people were picking the Lakers and yes, the Lakers can win a championship if they stay healthy. And luckily for them last year, they stayed healthy all throughout the playoffs. And we saw how good they can be when you have LeBron and Davis, but this year they didn't. And it showed all the regular season. They were never fully healthy. You know, LeBron had that ankle injury. Davis had multiple injuries this season. And he's basically always been a glass cannon, to your point. And he's going to continue to be going forward. Like, when he's healthy, he's one of the best five players in the league. But that's always been his drawback. So, it still obviously was the right move for them to make. They won the championship last year. So, I think that this loss isn't as disappointing as it could have been because they quote unquote accomplished the mission already. I know their goal is to win multiple championships, but they got that one last year. They can fall back on the thing that was more concerning to me in this series, aside from Davis being injured, because like you said, like we knew that was going to be an issue eventually. The problem for me is really more how LeBron acted and how LeBron played when Davis was out. Sometimes you just have Davis and LeBron. Well, guess what? Sometimes you don't. When one of those guys goes down, the Lakers need the other one to be Superman. And in the games that Davis was out or the the games that Davis was injured, LeBron was like good, but not great. What I wrote down is that he wasn't Superman. He was like Green Lantern. Like, you know, still, still one of the better players on the court, but just not to the level the Lakers needed him to be. And I was watching the last couple of games and I'm like, man, where is you know, game five in Detroit, LeBron, where is game seven in Boston, LeBron? And I kind of came to the conclusion. It's kind of one of two options. Either one, he's not really capable of that kind of performance anymore. Or two, he quit on this team or both. It could be both. I mean, I think it's both personally. Um, What I've observed of him over the years that seems to be the most likely i mean i'm sorry anyone who chooses to load manage as much as lebron has historically done isn't ride or die for their team um he has historically just egregiously load managed and that's a red flag for me as a teammate you know all you know, the other guys on your team are probably banged up too, and they're not taking days off. But also, like, he legitimately just doesn't have it anymore, I don't think. Like, he's still a great player. He is the most gifted player this league has ever seen. And I don't mean, you know, his size, speed, vertical, like, all that true, yes. To have all that, and the court vision that he has, like the handle on the ball, it's it's incredible. But eventually, that stuff does start to taper off, the physical stuff. And he's he's up there. What's he, like 36, something like that? He's 36 now, and I'm not trying to diss him by saying this. The part where I diss him comes after this. But I'm not trying to diss him by saying he doesn't have it anymore. It's just a legitimate question to me because your team is relying on you because without Davis, it's really LeBron and a bunch of role players or worse. Like these guys are like borderline starters that are on this team. A lot of them at least. And they needed him to do what Devin Booker did last night. They needed him to score 40. They need him to have a huge game or like have a 30 something point triple double. He either couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. And it could be a combination of both. Well, and, like, keep in mind, he's always been very conscious of his image. And someone who is that conscious of their image is, you know, usually able to calculate, you know, where a situation is going. And it's very possible that when he realized Davis was out, he just said the series was over. 
I hate that though. If that's the truth, I, I hate that because I, I feel like a lot of the greats don't do that. Like they go down guns a blazing. And I, I just feel like something's off there because he, the two last two games, they lost game five and game six, like game five, they knew before the game, they weren't going to have Davis. So right. you're looking at it and you're like, okay, if the Lakers are going to win this, he has to have a huge game. And he had a good game. I think he dropped like 25, six and seven or something like that. Like definitely not a bad game, but that's not going to win you a game single-handedly. And then last night, you know, they were, they just got, they were getting bombed right away. The Lakers were like Jay Crowder came out and hit three threes in a row. Devin Booker scored 22 points in the first quarter, but the Lakers are kind of looking like, okay, like we're weathering the storm. We'll try to figure this out. And then Davis goes down in the first quarter and it just like sucked all the energy out of that team. My problem with this, and this is the part where we just LeBron. And I I guess you're not supposed to do this if you're in the media, but this is an amateur podcast. So we're going to do whatever we want. Yeah, nobody's paying us yet, so... <laughs> you can't tell us what Maybe, to say. If you would like to change that, we will say whatever you want. Oh, yeah. If you would like to say that, I'll, I will put my email address in the link to the podcast. The, the issue with this is, do you know that story about when Davis came to L.A. and had to have, like, a one-on-one conversation with LeBron about how he was treating his teammates? I can't remember. It's been a couple of years now. So. It's this, like, semi-famous story about when Davis got there he they talked about it a lot in like the finals last year he saw lebron in practice and how lebron was like screaming at these guys and how anytime that lebron would yell at somebody in practice they were just like absolutely devastated for the rest of practice because this is their hero this is the guy they grew up idolizing is now like screaming at them and calling them an idiot so davis had to sit him down and talk to him about like hey you can't demoralize guys like that because they like they're not going to learn that way it's not going to help blah 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 so LeBron supposedly starting treat, started like treating all the teammates better and acting better in practice, whatever. The reason I'm bringing this story up now is because it's very obvious that all the guys on that team look up to LeBron and that they all follow his lead. So like game five, specifically the game, the Lakers got destroyed in Phoenix when he comes out and he's flat and he's not playing hard that like the whole team is following his lead. And if you're not like putting on the Superman cape and leading the charge, like they were guaranteed to lose that game from the beginning. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, obviously you look at the outcome of that game and obviously like they never set a chance in that game. And like we said, they needed a monster performance from him. They didn't get it. But even if they didn't get like a, you know, 45, 10 and eight game from him, You know, if he plays a really good game and he puts up like 30 some and that, you know, if he's playing hard, putting up good numbers, who knows how much of that rubs off on other guys because they see your confidence and it rubs off on them and they, you know, can just let it go confidently and suddenly shots start going in. You said the key word. It's it's not even that he had to you know, come out and put up a ton of points to get the other guys going. He just had to play hard. Yeah, He didn't. He came out flat and he's just like, okay, we're not winning this one. So I'm going to save myself for the next one. And then you saw what happened in the next one. They got bombed in the first quarter and it was over. You you can't do that. You can't be the leader of a team and do that. Well, it's because he's not a leader. He never has been. The other thing I wanted to say about him, and this just like pissed me off so much. And this is why we started with, praising Devin Booker and the Suns. So after the game last night, LeBron walked off the court without shaking anybody's hands as soon as the game was over. And when he does that, it, it's like two things. One, he does it on purpose because he's making it all about him. It's, it's very intentional. Like LeBron is very conscious of the media and how this is going to be covered. So he was taking the moment and making it all about him. And two, like, Like I said, a lot of these guys that you're playing against, now that you're older, these guys grew up idolizing you and you're taking, that was probably the biggest moment of Devin Booker's life last night, you know, at least professionally. And maybe even more than that, there's one of the biggest moments of his life last night, eliminating the Lakers in LA and having a huge game. And you overshadow that by making it all about you. You can't even like go up to the guy and say like, Hey man, you played great. You really got us like blah, blah, blah. I hate it. 
I hated it when Brady did it to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I hated it when Jordan did it to the Magic. Like, I wasn't old enough, really, to watch that series. But when you go back and watch the documentaries and see that Jordan did it and Brady did it and all these guys, I hate it every time. It's just poor sportsmanship. Like, it's just being a sore loser. Yeah, well, and also, like, let's keep in mind, this isn't the first time that he's done that. He's done this a few times in his NBA career. Like, this isn't new behavior, but we're kind of just talking about it now because Devin Booker is, like, really coming into his own. But this is who he's always been. And for all the talk that there has been about him changing things in the league to benefit players, like, no, it was always about him. The things that he was pushing for, he was pushing for because they benefited him. And if they benefited other elite players in the league, great. But, like, when has he ever done anything that really benefited some of the lower paid players in the league? What has he done for, you know, all the second round picks? Yeah, I don't know, but man, I, I don't know. I'm just disappointed in the way he acted last night. Yeah. It's going to be part of the Devin Booker documentary at some point, but Devin Booker yeah. scored 47 on the Lakers and then LeBron refused to shake his hand. So Yeah. And I don't mean this to be like a, uh, LeBron's a terrible person. Like, no, like, He's just kind of a dick. Yeah, the only counter thing I'll throw out there is that LeBron has done more good in his community than almost any oh. other athlete. Like his, you know, I'm big on his promise school. I love that. And I know you're not dissing that or anything. I'm just saying, like no. he, you know, he's done a lot. He's given back a lot as well. It's just that when you act like this too, like there are still kids that are growing up idolizing you and you're teaching them that that's okay. Um, let's move on from LeBron. I'm done with LeBron. He's out yeah. of the playoffs. We don't have to deal with it anymore. The other big game that was on last night, and we, we mentioned it really briefly with, I know, Matt said, we mentioned it briefly uh, that the Suns are going to be playing the Nuggets in the second round. And that's because the Nuggets eliminated the Portland Trailblazers last night, also in six games. You know, the result may not have been exactly what we expected, but I think the series played out exactly how we thought it was going to. We talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. This was going to be like an epic duel between Lillard and Jokic. And man, it delivered in spades. Dame for the series averaged. It, it's like, it's hard for me to say these numbers and then tell you that Portland lost. <laughs> for the series. I cry. <laughs> myself to sleep <laughs> Damian Lillard averaged 34.3 points 4.3 rebounds and 10.2 assists a 34 and 10 per game he also set the record for most threes in a playoff game during the game five double overtime game yeah I think he hit 12 right yeah yeah so he hit 12 setting a new playoff record and then he also set the record for most threes in a series in only six games on the other side of the ball, Jokic averaged 33 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 4.5 assists. So I guess, you know, for as great as Dame was, Jokic was, you know, also as great in this series. It's just, man, there's a lot of people right now who are hating on the fact that Jokic is going to win the MVP. I've seen a lot of chatter about that. He, Anyone who doubted that is crazy, and he went out and proved it. This really started last year against the Clippers where he started obliterating the Clippers mm -hmm. after game four. And he has not let up this entire season and he's carrying it over into the playoffs. He was phenomenal last night. Yeah. I mean, if I had a vote and I obviously don't because I'm an absolute nobody, but. Um, You're somebody to me. Aw, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um. You would, without a doubt, be my vote for MVP. My only knock on him is that I just feel like he gets officiated differently than, like, every other player on the floor. <laughs> but uh, he plays it well, you know? He takes advantage of it. He does what he knows he's allowed to do. And, you know, when he gets easy free throws, he knocks them down. That's what you want out of a guy in that situation. He's such an interesting player to watch because 
he is so big and like he's athletic but he's kind of he looks like uncoordinated kind of on the floor yeah it makes me kind of think the refs don't know how to officiate him because they're like was yeah like did he did he get hit or is he just not is he clumsy like what what was that kind of thing we saw it like during the series too like there was a lot of he's like mauling somebody and doesn't get a call. And then like, he barely gets touched on the other side and gets a call. And part of that is just superstar treatment. But I think Nurkic fouled out four times in this series, if I'm correct. I want to say there was one of those times they called a real ticky tech foul on him on defense in the fourth. And then they came down on offense and he caught the ball on a cut and someone went to try to take a charge and it was bang, bang. Like it was real gray area and the refs without hesitation are calling that a charge. And I'm like, you know, damn well that if that's Jokic, you're not calling a six foul there. It's true. That's that it's, superstar treatment, and, but it's what you get for being MVP. Yeah. And, and it's just frustrating because stuff like that, it, completely changes the rhythm of the game um the game last night um the nuggets scored like five points at right at the end of uh the third without a free without a field goal attempt because they were just calling easy fouls and they weren't able to hit anything from the field prior to that and suddenly they got those free throws and they just couldn't miss. And it's like, I'm not saying the refs are deciding the games, but we can't ignore the fact that sporadic changes in how things are officiated can influence the rhythm of the game. It definitely does. And I, I think that showed up in this series a bit. I know there's quite a few texts going back and forth between you and me saying, what was that foul? What was that? And like on both sides of the ball, but yeah. Yeah, pertaining a lot to some of the fouls that were called on Nurkic. Yeah. But in the end, yeah. Nuggets are moving on, and they have a really interesting matchup with Phoenix in the second round. It just, I just love the fact that like the final four teams in the West, it's going to be like the Nuggets versus Phoenix and Utah versus probably the Mavs. Like, it's so cool to me. But they move on. They got a really interesting matchup with Phoenix, and I, I mentioned this earlier, but I kind of expect it to be similar to this series with Portland where – I don't know what Phoenix is going to do with Jokic, especially because outside of DeAndre Ayton, there's very little depth in the Phoenix front court, especially at power forward and center. And then on the other side, like Booker's going to be going up against Austin Rivers, Compazzo, and Morris. Like it's it's not what you want to stop a guy like that. I would say that their backcourt is better set up to guard guys like Monte Morris and what from going off. Um, although I do think that Portland could have done some things to at least throw that off, but they decided to, you know, leave it sitting on the bench. I mean, I, I'm, I can't look at that situation and say that Chris Paul is the same as, you know, CJ McCall defensively. And Chris Paul is going to be a key figure in this next series too. He, although they beat the Lakers pretty handily the last couple of games, Chris Paul didn't really look a hundred percent to me still. So good thing for him. I think he's going to get like one or two days off here and hopefully he can rehab that shoulder a little bit and get to a point where he's ready to move on. Do you, um, before we go on to Portland, I think something that's really funny that's kind of happened in these playoffs so far is that we've all forgotten that Utah and Phoenix were the best teams during the regular season this year. They were one and two and everybody started jumping on like, Oh, the Lakers are the favorites. Watch out for the Clippers. And like Lucas having a great series. And so they're like, Oh, the maps, blah, blah, blah. The NBA title is very often won by like a one or two seed. It's very rare that it's like a lower seed that wins it like a four or five or whatever. So for everybody to just be like disrespecting Utah and Phoenix now is really 
kind of amazing to me because I would still say that those teams should be the favorites in the West, especially after their first round performances. Yeah. It, it drives me insane because I've, I've been on the Utah train pretty much all year. They just, everything they do translates. Oh, we're, we're big. We're a big Utah podcast. We have been all year. We've been, you know, I picked uh, Utah to go to the finals. I think like 20 games into the season. I won't say I had them before the season because, you know, that would have been absolutely insane, but we, I think we both had them going to the finals and then we had Carlos on and we had a couple other people on who are, you know, we're all in on Utah, but I feel like the media is not because it's a small market team. It's just hard for you to look at that team and see how well they shoot the ball. And like Memphis, their their media was talking about like, yeah, they just kept running pick and roll over and over again, but they have so many things to run off of that pick and roll that you never know how to guard it. And it, like, it looks like they're running the same thing, but they're not. And Donovan Mitchell is just so goddamn lethal. What do you even do? You know, uh, and that doesn't even factor in, you know, all of their three point shooting and their defense. And it's well, the one big concern. <laughs> yeah. It, well, that's the thing. They've been the best team in the league all season. So why are they not favored? But yeah, the one big concern coming into the playoffs was really that Donovan Mitchell wasn't healthy. You know, he missed a couple weeks near the end there. He missed game one against Memphis. He came back and looked amazing. And if he's playing well, then, you know, but yeah, I I wanted to bring that up because it's the same thing with Phoenix. Like Phoenix was great all season. And then they get, they got really hot. Like I think, you know, maybe a fourth of the way into the season or a couple you know, a little bit deeper into the season, they got really hot and kind of got up there with Utah. But people were saying that the Lakers should be favored in that series. And I obviously, I picked the Lakers too. And Phoenix proved me wrong. They, they proved a lot of people in the media wrong too. And I, I think that they deserve more respect than they're getting, both those teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, what I saw from Devin Booker in the bubble last year convinced me that when he came into this series – he was ready to eat. The, the bubble was no small stage. There was a lot of pressure riding on that. Yeah, it's, you know, we talked about how he didn't have much playoff experience, but maybe we were, or maybe at least I was mistaken in saying that because he probably, they went eight, knowing the bubble, he kind of had eight games of playoff experience. But that's the Nuggets side. So they move on to play Phoenix. I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to all the second round series. Like I said, I, this is the most excited I've been about the playoffs in a very long time. But there's another side to the series, unfortunately, for you. And that is Portland. So my thing on Portland is really, if you're Portland, where do you go from here? Because you had the whole season was really kind of disappointing for them. It was very up and down, but there was still high expectations for them coming into this series, especially with Jamal Murray being out and to lose in six games and lose that final game at home is I I think it's a big disappointment. You know, you had a first round exit last year and obviously like there was a lot of injuries, a lot of stuff wrapped up in that. And the year before that, I think was their Western conference finals year where They played Golden State and blew, I think, four double-digit leads. Uh, Yeah, I want to say they were like 17-point leads or something ridiculous. Like big leads, and they blew – Yeah. Yeah, they blew four in a row because they got swept by Golden State. You know, it's been a couple of years now that it's been disappointing exits for them. And you look at where they are and where they're going, they have $131 million committed for next year already. Uh, Dame's supermax kicks in, and I think he goes up from like mid 30s to 47 million next year. And he's worth every penny. Don't get me wrong. Just we're just talking finances. So you have 131 committed next year. The salary cap, you know, I haven't seen what the expectation is, but it's probably not going to be that much higher than like 110 to 115. So you're already over the cap. Norm Powell, who was a big midseason acquisition for them, has a player option for $11 million. I would 
bet a lot of money that he's going to decline that and go get paid somewhere, or he's going to have Portland pay him. You have Carmelo Anthony, Zach Collins, and Enos Cantor, who are all free agents. And you have no first-round pick this year because you traded it for Robert Covington. There's not a lot of options for this team to get better quickly this offseason. It's kind of – it's a – Really tough situation. Really, the only option is something that you and I have been discussing for years. Um, trade Damian Lillard to the Sacramento Kings. Was that not it? That one. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. <laughs> for strictly for Marvin Bagley. <laughs> I would die. I would be dead. I'd be watching from heaven or wherever I end up. But yeah, go go ahead. No, it would I cut be you for off. every player except for Bagley. <laughs> no god, I'd still um, I'd still do yeah, it. I'd uh... still do it. <laughs> we have Dame, Dame and Bagley. We have Dame. We two can on build... five. Yeah, we have Dame. We can build from <laughs> there. It's fine. Two players. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Dame and Bagley on the court. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, breaking up the CJ and Dame combo it's really the only viable option. And the problem with that is what is the market for CJ McCollum? Because you're certainly not trading Dame right as his supermax is kicking in. It would, that's, that wouldn't make any sense. And after what you just did in this series, that would be the single worst decision that that front office could make because I feel like there would be riots again in Portland. I have two options. So, you know, number one is obviously trade CJ McCollum. Like you said, we've seen this pairing for eight years now. I can't believe it's been eight years, but we've seen this pairing for eight years and it's not working out. To the Trailblazers credit, they've done a lot to try to build around those two. They acquired Nurkic from the Nuggets. They made the trade for Rocco this past off season, which I think was two first round picks. They drafted multiple wings and forwards. They signed Carmelo Anthony to try to get some wing depth. They traded for Norman Powell to try to get a third ball handler. They've done a lot to build around these guys and it just continually doesn't work out for them. But like you said, what's the market for CJ? Because he's, yeah, CJ is a good, not great player. Like he's very, he's very good but he's not an elite level player and he has three years, a hundred million due to him. Still, he gets paid 30 next year, 33 and then 35 over the next couple of years. So you have 80 plus million committed to two players. And luckily for them, one of those players is Dame. They have him locked up long-term and you know, it's a key. If you want to win a championship, you have to have elite level players like that. And Dame is, what do you think? Probably top five in the league right now. Yeah. I think five is as low as I would ever go. It's a crowd. It's a very crowded after what up I, there, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, after we did what we just saw and what he did in the bubble last year. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Like he's up there for sure. So uh, your, your options with trading CJ though, I looked at players who have a similar salary to him. And, you know, guys who make 30 million plus for salary matching purposes, there were two guys that I could see you trading for. I could see Portland trading for, and that was Kristaps Porzingis and Andrew Wiggins. And one, I don't see them making either of those deals because it's foolish. And two, like those, those guys are not the guys that put you over the top. So your alternate option is you get a package from someone, but what's in the package. Like I I read a story online today and I, I forget where the, what the source was. I apologize, but it was a proposed trade to the Knicks where the Knicks trade Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly and Kevin Knox jr. Or Kevin Knox too, with a, with this year's first round pick for CJ are quickly Knox and Toppin moving the needle for Portland. Like you, you kind of rebuild some of your depth there, but now you're going from having CJ who 
like I said, he's not an elite player, but he's still a really good one. Now you're kind of losing your second option there and you're taking a big gamble on top end. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like a lot of the problems that they had from this series also stemmed from maybe shortening their rotation too much. Uh, cutting certain scope sets out of their rotation. But like if you're taking away a high level score and replacing that with more just rotational parts, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, let me throw one more name at you that I haven't thrown at you before the podcast. Uh Gordon Hayward. You trade CJ for Gordon? I guess the other part of that is, do you do that if you are Charlotte? Because he was really good when he was healthy and he brings a lot of things to the table that might help them. So yeah, it's, it's a potential option. Yeah. I, I would consider that. Um, it's the most intriguing one I can come up with. Yeah. It's one, it's the most intriguing one I can come up with off the top of my head, but I don't know that Charlotte does that. Yeah. I, I also, I don't know if Portland would ever trade CJ either because him and Dame are very close. Like, is it worth it for you to upset him potentially mm-hmm. by trading away like his best friend? It's it's just tough because it's like if it's not that, what do you do? Do you, you fire Stotts and bring in a new coach and just hope that a new system helps these guys? But like you're bringing a right. new coach, well, you're you're obviously not bringing all these guys back onto this roster, and now you're putting your new coach in a bad position. Yeah, and you know, I have been critical of Terry Stotts in the past, and I've been critical on this episode of some of the decisions that he's made. But is there anyone out there right now available that you think would be an upgrade over Terry Stotts? Because at the end of the day, Terry Stotts is actually a good NBA coach. Yeah, he is. The only thing I would say about that is that like, look at Atlanta this year. They had like, after they fired Lloyd Pierce and had Nate, was it Nate McMillan is their coach now? After they had Nate take over, they just like took off. And so I could see, you know, Portland looking at it being like, God, we, we don't want to trade away CJ and we really don't have any other options. So like, let's try something new and see if we can have a similar effect. Like, you know, and he, he is a good coach, but he's been there for a long time. And sometimes it really does just take like a new voice in the locker room, but I don't, I don't know who that guy would be. Yeah. That's a fair point. I mean, it was just, your options are so limited. It's like, yeah. And it's, it's sometimes it's not about you failing. It's just like, Hey, we've tried this. We haven't gotten over the top. Um, we're going to go a different way because Terry Stotts will absolutely get another job as a head coach in the NBA. If he's oh yeah. Available. I'd, I'd hire him in a minute and he deserves it. Yeah. He's like I said, he's a good coach. I'm not advocating firing him. I'm just saying like your options are super limited because if it's not trading CJ or firing the coach, like what is it? Cause you can't sign anybody. You're over the cap. Like, do you just go like way over the cap with your bird rights and stuff? to bring these guys back. Like you want to get up to like 150, 160 million to bring back like Norm Powell, Carmelo Anthony and Enos Cantor and just roll the same thing back next year. Like, I I don't think you can. I don't think Enos Cantor is coming back after what we saw in that series. He was, he was rough and I love me Enos Cantor. I do, but he was just unusable in that series. He couldn't do anything offensively and he couldn't do anything defensively. Your other options here, you know, you could trade, you could trade Nurkic, which I think would be a huge mistake. He's your second best player right now. Um, You could trade Covington who you just traded for. Like, I, I just don't know what they do. It's tough. And I just, I don't think you can run this team back because the defense against guards has not been great for them in the playoffs. And as great as Dame is, he's like a pretty good, not great defender. And CJ McCollum is like a, you know, fair defender, maybe not that great. 
And it, it shows when like, you know, Austin Rivers, who signed a 10 day contract with the Nuggets, had a 18 and seven game and a 21 point game. And he hit like a huge three last night. Like Monte Morris killed them all season or all series. He averaged 15 points per game, but that doesn't really account for the fact that he had like a 28 point game and a 22 point game. So you had to change something up here. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where I go back to like, you're being torn up defensively by these guys coming off the bench. Where the hell is Derek Jones Jr.? You signed him to play defense. You need to win the games now. Where is he? Let the man play defense. And like, and you know how we were talking about refs potentially disrupting the rhythm of game, but just having a pesky defender on you for, you know, five minutes of play that can throw off your rhythm the rest of the game. If he doesn't guard you the rest of the game, you know, it's just why not use the weapons on defense that you have? That's just, that's the number one thing I don't understand about what Terry Sats did in this series. Especially because that's your weak point. You were 29th in defensive rating this year. Like you were bad and you were yeah. bad in this series. And yeah, I know you said that Dame and CJ are really close. So they're really good friends. But if I'm Dame and I look, you know, the double overtime game, Dame dropped the first ever 55 and 10 game in the playoffs. No one's ever had 55 points and 10 assists in a game before. <laughs> and they lost. So, like, if I look at that box score and look at the fact that CJ McCollum shot seven for 22 in that game, maybe I'm more okay with trading him. I think that Dame would probably get over it. He would be upset initially because, obviously, you're always going to be upset if your friend gets traded. At the end of the day, Dame is a professional. He's always been super professional. He's going to recognize that, like, if they're trading CJ, they're doing it because they think that that trade makes them better. But I would also hope that before they pull a trigger on a trade like that, they would talk to him first. Because if you're sending him over for a bunch of role players, yeah, I I think Dame should be upset. I was just about to say, I, I think it depends what you bring back to. Like, if you know, if you bring back like Gordon Hayward or someone that can potentially help you, like, okay, that's one thing. But if you bring back like Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly. It's like, oh, okay, guys, come on. What are we doing here? So, yeah, I don't know. Tough, tough end for Portland. That is, that closes out seven of the eight first round series. We got one more that has a game tonight, and that is the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, since last time we talked about this game, a lot happened. The last time we talked was when Devin was on the podcast and the Mavericks were up 2-0 going back home. And it was starting to look like it could be a sweep. So they go back to Dallas and the Clippers win both games in Dallas and kind of flip the series on their head. And it, it goes from like Clippers catastrophe to all of a sudden like, oh man, like these these guys may be pretty mentally tough all of a sudden. Like they go, they won two big games in Dallas and blah, blah, blah. And then they come home and lose. <laughs> and now it's three, <laughs> now it's three two Dallas and they are at home for game six. Man, I I would say that game three was super predictable. L.A. win. I think I I called it on the last podcast that they were probably going to win and puff out their chest and do the whole thing and then come home and like lose the next one. Luca was obviously not right for game four. He something was wrong with his neck that was really weird, and he ended up shooting nine of twenty four from the field. 0 for 5 from free throw and 1 of 7 from 3 in that game. He was not right. But, man, when Luka is right, they cannot stop him. They can't stop him. I was I was kind of worried about it for a little bit because his neck, he had that neck issue, and I was like, man, it really affected him in game four. Like, hopefully it doesn't affect him in game five. And it did not. He came back to – Yeah, he came back to L.A. and dropped a – ready for it? 42, 8, and 14 on the Clippers while shooting. Oh, uh, that all? That's all. That's it. While shooting 17 of 37 from the field, 6 of 12 from 3, which is 46% and 50% respectively. So, you know, back up to 
good percentages and massive game. And if he's healthy for the game tonight, I think the series is over. Yeah. Um, and this is all with Luca shooting atrociously from the free throw line. If he I, hits free throws at 70% rate, this series is over already. I, I don't understand this. So I just saw the stat right before we jumped on. Apparently his free throw percentage in the playoffs is lower than Shaq's, but his three point percentage is higher than Steph Curry's. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah, he, I mean, he's, he needs to back up when he shoots his free throws all the way to the three point. Uh, just shoot him from there. You'll be fine. Yeah, so the games that he's been healthy in this series, he has scored 31, 39, 44, and 42. Uh, with a lot of rebounds and assists, he's he had that big triple-double, and every other game has been close to a triple-double. The game the other night was his fourth career 40-point playoff game, and that ties him with the likes of Carmelo Anthony, Tim Duncan, Damian Lillard, but I think Damian Lillard probably broke that tie the other day, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Carl Malone. And puts him ahead of some really good players too. And just the, the stuff that he's doing right now, the stuff that he did last year in that series against the Clippers and the stuff he's doing right now is just like legendary. He He's the best 22-year-old basketball player that we've seen maybe ever, but at least since LeBron James was 22. Yeah, uh, it's surreal just how quickly he has ascended to being a dominant player in the league. I mean, we talked about it before. Kawhi and Paul George are the prototypes that you would choose to shut him down. And he just absolutely murders them. He this, he has. In my mind, this series is already over. He slaughtered them, and I can't wait to watch him try to finish this off tonight. Like, this is this is the game where you want to see exactly like what Devin Booker did last night. Like you want to see that killer instinct come out, put these guys away. Don't mess with game seven back in LA. Just like the zip, finish it, drop another 40 burger on them. So we'll, we'll both be watching that tonight. I'm sure it's the only NBA game that's on, but you know, and aside from that, we're, we're going to be all done with the first round and uh, we're moving on to the second round starting on, Saturday, starting tomorrow, we got Milwaukee versus the Nets. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Very I, interesting. We won't break it down too much on this pod. We'll, we'll talk more next week about some of the ins and outs of these series. But you got Milwaukee versus the Nets, which, you know, I, I brought up the thing about Utah and Phoenix earlier, about how they're getting disrespected. And part of the reason I wanted to bring that up is because a lot of people are saying that the Bucks versus the Nets is basically the NBA finals at this point especially if uh, Joel Embiid isn't playing. And it's just like, man, it's not. The two best teams in the league are in the other conference. That's going to be really fascinating. I, I'm going to be really interested in seeing how those the two defenses uh, play in that series. You know, the, the Nets obviously not a strong defensive team, and they have to find a way to slow down Giannis. <laughs> but then on the other side, you have, you know, the last Celtics game, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving combined for 104 points. So, how you know, how do you slow them down? How do you deploy yeah. Drew Holiday? Like, I know the optics of what they did in that series is very impressive, but I don't know. I guess I'm just not that impressed by doing that against a team that we know has been circling the drain for the last two years. You know? especially with some of the information that came out about like Brad Stevens being burnt out on coaching and, but still, I mean, 104 points is still impressive. So you, you got that three headed monster on one side. So like, how do they defend that Brooklyn not known for their defensive prowess this season? What do they do? You know, and it's, I think it's going to be a fun series. Aside from that, uh, Utah is going to get the winner of the Mavs and Clippers. So, you know, if Luca moves on, it's what can he do against Utah, against the team that was the best team in the league this season? And what does Utah do to defend him? And can Utah continue to get their respect? You know, they're obviously 
low on respect right now and deserve more. Uh, and we talked about Jokic versus Booker in the Denver and Phoenix series. But one thing that I'm really looking for in the next round, and this is because I'm a huge nerd, is Trey Young versus the 76ers. We saw Trey Young put up a really, really nice, like really good series against the Knicks. And I can go in depth about how he wasn't super efficient, but he was really good. But the Knicks don't really have anybody who's going to stop him or give him a hard time. And now you're going from that to possibly the best perimeter defender in all of basketball in Ben Simmons. And so like, how did they deploy Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel and Tobias Harris on Trey Young? And then on the other side of that, if Embiid misses time, how did they generate enough offense to keep up with the Hawks? Cause the Hawks are a very good offensive team. So those are some of the yeah, things I'm looking for in round two. You, you got anything in round two that you're looking out for? Yeah. I mean, big thing with Phoenix is, you know, how does Chris Paul look? Because obviously Devin Booker is a huge key for them, but beyond that, like, there's been times where we can see that Chris Paul was kind of the straw, the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, he's just got so much playoff experience. Having him playing to his capabilities is a huge difference maker for that team. And it could be proved to be way too much for Denver to handle. It could very well be the difference in that series because if Booker and Jokic kind of cancel each other out and it falls on all the other players on the court, you know, who's going to win that series? He's the next best player. He's the next best player. So, man, I'm so excited. I obviously would prefer if the Mavericks move on because I'm a big uh, Luka fan. But even if the Clippers move on, you're still like very few of these teams have won a championship and especially not recently. Aside from the Mavericks winning one in 2011, the last time one of these teams won a championship was Philadelphia in 1983. And then before that, it was Philly in 1971. So these nine teams have combined for three championships in 50 years. So someone's going to, some fan base is getting their first one in a long time or their first one ever. And that's awesome. So, yeah. Only other thing I wanted to touch on real quick is I gave the Knicks fans a really hard time about their treatment of Trey Young last week. And then the Boston fans proceeded to throw a bottle at Kyrie Irving and get arrested for that, which is well-deserved. And I, I just want everybody to know, like, I'm a big Boston fan. I'm not a Celtics fan, but I'm a big Boston fan in general. And I fully acknowledge that our fan base is shitty. Like, I, I own that. I own that. You know, we're, we're right up there with New York and Philadelphia. And just, like, just stop. I don't want to see any of this shit anymore in the second round. Like, can we just... Can the story just not be about the fans and just be about what's going on on the court? Yeah, I cannot condone any of that. I mean, especially being a Detroit fan, like the malice of the palace was not pretty. We're lucky that worse things didn't happen in that incident than what did, so... And honestly, if fans continue to push the line like this, like it's just, it's, it's getting worse and worse. It seems like fans are getting like emboldened to do this shit and it'll happen again. I guarantee it. And, you know, hopefully it's not worse this time. So like, if you're going to a game, just be respectful. You know, those, these guys are professional athletes. They're putting themselves in a vulnerable situation, being surrounded by like 30,000 screaming people for your entertainment. And be respectful of that. Be a good fan. Boo them. Boo the ever-living crap out of the guys you don't like. I'm totally into that. But, you know, don't throw stuff. Don't spit at people. Like, how would you like it if someone came to your office and just spit at you? Like, just some random person you didn't know. They're just like, hey, you. I don't like you. I'd be pissed, too. I'd be pissed, too. So, I, I think a lot of it just is people feeling like they can do whatever they want. There's no consequences for their actions, but man, there's going to be a day where someone does that and a player loses their shit and security is just 
I hear weight. And like you said, hey, you mess, you go too far with a player, you should have to fight him. Do you really want to fight Russell Westbrook? Because I don't. I don't. That man's scary. And like, you know, yeah. pr- props to these guys for keeping a cool head about it and not doing something stupid like that. But, you know, we, we've seen it happen before and I really hope it doesn't happen again. But part of it is on the fans to stay within the bounds of acceptable behavior. Yeah, just be respectful. Yeah. Especially you Boston fans, don't embarrass us. So that's all we got. Uh, you can find Fouled Out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere that you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. And if you want to sponsor us so that we stop saying mean things about LeBron James, then uh, send us a DM or email me. We'd, we'd love to have a sponsorship. Or if you want to, want to sponsor us so that we can say nice things about your team and favorite player, that works too. <laughs> or, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Alternatively, if you want to sponsor us so that we say more mean things about LeBron James, we're on board. We're sellouts. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> no, just kidding. We cannot be bought. This is, we're going to come on here every week and share our real opinions. And we, uh, we hope that you guys enjoy that. And we appreciate you all listening. all right enjoy round two everybody it starts on saturday with the nets in brooklyn i know we'll be enjoying it we'll be back we're gonna have two episodes next week uh matt and i'll be back to talk about the nba and then we have another episode secret episode coming with a very special guest i'm not gonna not gonna ruin that one you guys are gonna have to tune in to find out who it is so all right bud i'll catch you later (laughs) later man all right see ya Bye, Mom.